You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. And it is a new day in Minnesota. The Timberwolves have fired Chris Finch as their head coach. He was introduced on Monday evening, uh, 5 p.m. Central virtual press conference from Milwaukee as the Wolves are on the second game of, of a four-game road trip and fired the coach on Sunday night. So it was it was an interesting uh, press conference. I want to hit some of the 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 key quotes from the press conference here in a moment. But the meat of today's show is going to be a conversation I had with Adam Morris of Locked On Nuggets, a fantastic Nuggets podcast on the Locked On Network. Um, really, as soon as the Chris Finch news broke late on Sunday, there was a lot of conversation around what Chris Finch did as the associate head coach in Denver under Mike Malone, specifically with Nikola Jokic back in 2016-17 as Jokic broke out in his second year in the league and had a much bigger role in Denver's offense. And so I had a long conversation um, with Adam about the Nuggets, about the former Nuggets on the Timberwolves roster, including Juancho Hernan Gomez, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt as well, um, which by the way, Adam has high hopes for Vanderbilt. So we talked a little bit about him. Also what Finch did in Denver as a coach, what he did in New Orleans with DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. So we had a wide ranging conversation um, and covered all those things. So that'll be the meat of today's show. And then we'll close just kind of peeking ahead at Wolves Bucks for Tuesday night um, as well. So before we get to all that, though, a reminder that you can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts. Of course, that includes iTunes as well as Spotify. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves. That's at Locked on T Wolves. Don't forget the T and at B Beacon. It's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay. Um, so quickly from the press conference, press conference that Chris Finch and Gerson Rosas held on Monday evening. Um, there were a couple of, of key quotes um, that are out there. Basically, Rosas um, admitted that Ryan Saunders was kind of dealt the short end of the stick. He mentioned that the last 18 months have weren't fair for him, for the organization, for the players, for the fans, um, you know, obviously referencing COVID-19 as well as, as really everything that surrounded that um, the, the high, amount of turnover on the roster last year. I'm sure referencing the fact that he asked Saunders to run a five out offense that was heavy in three point shooting last year with, with basically one three point shooter on the roster at the start of the season. Um, and then, you know, switching over, turning over like 80% of the roster mid season last year and, and kind of acknowledging without going through all of them, obviously some of the, the, the things that weren't fair um, when it came to Ryan Saunders job. But of course, as we know, and I talked about on the show on Monday, Results are what matter, and Ryan Saunders didn't get results, and and that's why he's no longer the Timberwolves head coach. Um, Finch talked a lot about uh, making Carl Anthony Towns the focal point of the offense. He said he talked to Carl Anthony Towns already on Sunday evening, right after uh, being offered the position that that he wanted him to be the the quote center point of the team. He should be at the center of everything. He said um, he talked about about the overall talent on the team, his excitement to coach this group of players, his excitement, you know, he was unexpected or he was not expecting this to happen so quickly. I don't think anybody was. It sounds like this was basically a 36 hour process that took place Saturday throughout Sunday and into Monday, the Wolves received permission to talk to Toronto about, um, about Finch 
it apparently during the game on Sunday, the the Knicks game, and then the Wolves made the move after the game. So there was a little talk about that, about the timing. And, and of course, I, I rehashed a lot of um, Finch's background and his relationship with Rosas on Monday's show. So I won't, I won't belabor that point, but if you missed the show, I talked through his, their history of working together with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, um, you know, about a decade ago, then again with the Houston Rockets and, and their paths since then. Um, and of course, Finch being the associate head coach in Denver, New Orleans, and then most recently in Toronto, he was also, he was also the associate head coach in Houston with the Rockets for a period of time as well. Um, so extensive background, you know, that was covered obviously in the press conference and, and it was, it was a little bit of an uncomfortable presser and, and, you know, the virtual ones always seem like they are, but, um, it's just, it just strange. Um, and, and the circumstances are strange, certainly. So, so it's understandable, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how this how this develops with Finch now at the helm. Um, so, the one other thing that was notable is that there aren't any other coaching staff changes at this point. It sounds like the whole staff will stay intact. That would presumably include current and I mean, I guess the previous and still current associate head coach David Vanterpool, who was passed over for this job. The offensive coordinator Pablo Prigioni, the rest of the staff, and Finch not bringing anybody with him. It's it's a little bit of a lame duck situation because you'd have to imagine that Finch is going to want to bring in some of his own guys in the offseason. So that'll be something to keep an eye on, but it doesn't sound like there's any changes immediately. Um, I should also mention before we get to the conversation with Adam of Locked On Nuggets, the um, the, there's obviously a ton of articles about there around around the web about this move. Um, Jonathan Charks at the Ringer had a write up that was wolf centric, uh, which which was a pretty good piece. Um, there was a piece over at by Eric Pincus at Bleacher Report that was a solid write up. Um, of course, all the local folks had great pieces. John Krasinski at the athletic had some, um, has some good background on the situation, even talked about how players were openly wondering about the, the possibility of a coaching change if Saunders job was safe. Saunders himself knew that he was on the hot seat basically over the past couple of weeks. sounds like Glenn Taylor was hesitant to fire him without Towns playing, but they've gone one and seven since Towns came back this most recent time after the COVID-19 diagnosis and the wolf still didn't improve. And so Taylor signed off on the firing. A lot of good information out there. One of the articles that I thought had an interesting perspective was John Hollinger, of course, the uh, co-host of the Hollinger and Duncan podcast on the Lockdown NBA Network. He also writes for The Athletic and gave a bit of a front office perspective talking about um, about the what he calls an atypical process, which of course is absolutely true. Um, the, there hasn't been a team that's hired another coach from a, a, another team staff since 2009, and that was when Memphis hired Lionel Hollins to be their head coach. But Hollinger goes a little bit into the front office side of things, um, and and he there's a couple of quotes I wanted to read from the article. He says, um, he says, quote, this takes us to another NBA truism. When a coach is fired in season, it's because the team should have done it during the offseason. Certainly that rings true in this case when the Timberwolves had nine months off between games to make a clean transition from a coach they clearly weren't all in on and hire the guy they clearly wanted all along. All this takes us back to some front office political realities, put simply this may have been Rosas's best opening. Saunders clearly wasn't his first choice. Now he's talking about uh, almost two years ago when he was hired from the interim. The interim tag was removed after Rosas took over. And then Hollinger says, but the Timberwolves underwent a half-hearted mini charade of interviewing a couple of people, including Finch, when Rosas took over in 2018. Eventually they shrugged their shoulders and kept Saunders, undoubtedly with a healthy shove from owner Glenn Taylor. Um, and that's the end of, of that excerpt. Um, that's true. And I talked quite a bit about Saunders on Monday's show, but um, 
the Wolves obviously thought Saunders was the perfect bridge to whatever was going to happen next, being that Saunders was the antithesis of how, at least what Tom Thibodeau's coaching style was from the intense yelling style of Tibbs to the much more player centric build the relationship with the players already a player favorite in Ryan Saunders. And, and this was, you know, supposed to bring the temperature down a little bit and maybe allow the talent to rise and to play better. That part didn't happen. Um, but hoping to smooth things over with Carl Anthony Towns from any, you know, anything he might've been upset with about the Tibbs era, bridging the gap to the next coach. And it was, it was, you know, a lot of people assumed it would be David Vanterpool who the Wolves brought in as the associate head coach, but Chris Finch had turned down the associate head coach role in Minnesota reportedly. And it, you know, why leave new Orleans when he had that role to come to Minnesota for the same role. And ultimately he goes, you know, he spends one more year in, in new Orleans. Then he spends the first part of this year in Toronto. And now he's back in Minnesota as the head coach. And David Vanterpool is still the associate head coach in Minnesota and undoubtedly will get some interviews of his own in the off season. Once again, as he did this year and as he should, um, Hollinger finishes the Wolves por- portion of the article by talking about Ryan Saunders and, and lists him as one of the, quote, league's most highly regarded assistants uh, prior to him being promoted to the head job in Minnesota. So obviously he's going to get more chances. Hollinger acknowledges that, um, you know, there's certainly things about Ryan Saunders that are that are attractive to other teams and he's going to get a job. He's close to their expulsion in Miami. Maybe there's that. Um, I mean, there's there's plenty of places he could land in the offseason. Um, but this was another thing that Hollinger notes is this was a move. Minnesota didn't want to have to contend with other teams. Chris Finch has been the runner up in multiple other places for head coaching jobs or been a finalist. And so the Wolves knew that there would be other teams after him this offseason. And, you know, as I mentioned on Monday, credit, I guess, to Gerson Rosas for for making the move now instead of having a lame, lame duck interim or something like that, or promoting David Vanterpool without the intention of keeping him after this year. Um, and instead just making the move that he was sure he wanted to make already. Um, so that, I mean, Hollinger's piece, I thought provided some good perspective from a couple of different areas. So be sure to check that out. If you've got a subscription to the athletic. All right. I want to get to the conversation that I had with Adam Morris of locked on nuggets. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking about wolves nuggets and um, you know what Finch did in Denver and new Orleans, as well as, as the makeup of the wolves current roster compared to the personnel that Finch had in Denver a few years ago. Um, I, I guess four years ago when he was um, helping run the offense in Denver. So we're going to get to that conversation next. First, though, let's talk about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You can go to RockAuto.com right now. You'll see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts a breakdown of the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever 
you get podcasts. Okay, without further ado, let's get to the conversation I had with Adam Morris of Locked On Nuggets about all things Chris Finch, who was the associate head coach in Denver from 2016 to 17, had a big part in the development of Nikola Jokic. So um, without further ado, here is that conversation. All right, as promised, I have Adam Morris with me from Locked on Nuggets. Of course, there is a very distinct um, Nuggets-related talking point to the uh, to the Wolves hiring of Chris Finch as their new head coach. So I thought Adam would be the perfect person to weigh in on Chris Finch's time in Denver and also uh, the hiring for Minnesota. So um, first of all, thanks for joining me, Adam. Thanks for having me on. And not just Chris Finch, but, you know, there's also, I mean, three of the players on the Wolves roster are former Nuggets. And I think yeah. that sort of plays into it as well. So um, there's a lot of interesting angles. Here. Yeah, I had I had on my list of questions to ask you how you feel about the Wolves building Denver East in the Twin Cities right now with uh, Beasley, Juancho, Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt. Um, even I believe Tyler Cook, who's down in the G League bubble, was uh, <laughs> was briefly a nugget. I mean, there's it was just right. kind of another another name. So um, they, I guess they also s- they also drafted, though, Donovan Gobert. They traded Nurkic to Portland. So they they've starters in every single Northwest division team, but Oklahoma city. So, Oh, that's it's, weird. It's a yeah. running trend. I, I mean, it's it, just like the, the trade this year or last year when the wolves got Beasley and Hernan Gomez, it was almost like the nuggets had too much depth and they just were, you know, yeah. look at the guys they traded away too. Um, I, we'll probably get to that here in a minute. Let's start with the the Finch hiring for the Timberwolves, and and I just curious from somebody who you know uh, hosts Locked On NBA has a non Twin Cities perspective. Obviously, majority of listeners are Wolves fans. What is your take on the Wolves firing of Rand Saunders and then their uh, their immediate hiring of an assistant coach from another team? Um, what forty percent of the way through the season? Yeah, it's unconventional. It's certainly. You know, there's so much about being in in the NBA. Now, this is my seventh year covering the league uh, as a credentialed writer. And being around, you see so much that is about, um, you know, how things look, the appearance of the thing. And this is one of those ones where they really, really bungled the the appearance of it. Because anytime you fire a coach in the middle of the season and replace him with, you know, not you don't even go to the interim route. You know, it's a very Sacramento Kings-ish thing to do. So um, the, the optics of it are bad, even if you sit back and say, okay, but is it a net positive? Like, and was it a necessary thing? Did we kind of get everything we needed to, did we learn everything we needed to know about Ryan Saunders and whether or not he was the guy? I think the answer is yes. Time to move on probably. Unfortunately, the optics of it um, have sort of stolen the storyline. It seems to me so far. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. And, and, it's funny you you say that the the Kings bit of it because or the Kingsy nature of it because from a Timberwolves perspective, uh, you know it seems like every time there's a new front office, it's this is the year when the front office won't be a running joke and and of course for everybody that's a Timberwolves fan, it's it's the Wolves front office, but the Kings are also in that group of of you know a handful of teams that are always in in a situation like this or so it seems, and it's like oh they hired Gerson Rosas and he was Daryl Morey's right hand man and he's got this outstanding track record and to be clear you know he hasn't been on the job for two years and there's still the jury's definitely still out in Rosas, but, um, the, uh, you know, th- this was supposed to be the front office that wasn't, that wasn't the running joke. Right. And now it's like, man, they didn't even fire somebody in the right way, <laughs> you know, is, right. is, is one of the takes that's out there. And it does, I can't remember. Yeah. It was that the last time it was the Kings who fired Michael Malone, you know, 25 something mm-hmm. games into the season had uh coach Corbin for a, a little bit of that and then brought George Carl in. So they actually had three coaches yep. in that one season. So yep. I yep. say it's a Kingsian thing. I guess they were the last one to do it or at least one of the recent ones, but yeah, you know, and- that's, that'll pass. And then the, and then the real storyline, the way this will really succeed or fail will be whether or not Chris Finch does, does a good job or not. Right. Yes. And, and obviously that's the, 
I mean, that's the whole thing, right? And 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 if he does well, then this will be a footnote, and and it won't matter. But if he doesn't, then right. it'll just be another thing in the long list of of Timberwolvesy things in in Timberwolves history. Um, so the the talking point and really a relevant talking point about this hire is oh you know look what Finch did for for Nikola Jokic in Denver back in 2016-17 yeah. this was 21 year old Jokic second year in the league he had had a i think mostly an up and down rookie year but obviously there was a lot of promise um and Finch came to Denver after um having been in the Houston organization for a long time and and we won't spend right. a lot of time on this but he was the the D League coach uh, that won the the title Gerson Rosas was actually the GM of that team and was an executive with the Rockets and Finch was hired away to be I believe he was he the associate head coach in Denver I've seen it listed as associate I've seen him listed as assistant not that it really matters uh, but I, I, I I'm not really sure to be honest I don't remember what his title was back okay. then but he he was an assistant and a key one yeah. um credited with sort of being the offense you know Malone always has an unofficial offensive coach and defensive coach and, sure. and Finch was the offensive guy. Yeah. So, so that's, that's my question, I guess, is, is there's this, this already, this narrative building of, oh, look what, look what Jokic turned into, you know, Finch was only in Denver for a year because then he was hired away by Alvin Gentry in New Orleans and was given the associate head coach title there for three seasons. Um, so clearly he's, he's, you know, he's worked under Kevin McHale, Mike Malone. Um, he's worked under Alvin Gentry and then most recently Nick Nurse. So a, a great, you know, bunch yeah. of coaches he's worked under. Uh, but what specifically would you say was the biggest thing he did for Jokic? And again, this is second year Jokic. So it's a little different than Towns, who's in year, I think now seven in the league, which is crazy. Um, it's a little different, but what are some of the things he did for Jokic that you think could be translated roughly to, to Towns' skill set? So I can't really speak to what exactly Chris Finch did. And I think people sometimes get themselves into trouble speaking too much about like, oh, here's what this assistant did. I mean, it's a coaching staff and where sure. the credit gets divided up, it's sort of hard to parse. But what I can tell you about that second season with the Denver Nuggets was it, if, to, to date, I think it was my favorite. It, either last season with the 2-3-1 comebacks with Denver. I mean, that was a pretty special playoff run. But if you just talk about the regular season, I think Jokic's sophomore season might have been the single most fun. In large part because they, the Denver Nuggets, and I, I assume in large part Chris Finch, really just invented a new style of basketball. <laughs> I mean, nothing short of that in this very inverted offense where Jokic took control of so much of it. And um, that was the year that Jokic was really born. You mentioned it was an up and down rookie season. He really played great his rookie season. It's just that he was a second round pick, wasn't really expected to play at all. And the fact that he broke into the rotation at all was sort of a miracle. And when he played, he looked great and earned himself more minutes as it goes. But because he was such an unknown commodity, it took a full season for him to really earn the trust in minutes or whatever but by his sophomore season you know he was a starter and not only a starter but starting to capture more and more of the playmaking responsibilities and um you know I personally credit Chris Finch quite a bit for that and and in my conversations with different people around the around the front office I think he was um you know pretty instrumental in some of the principles that Denver you know instilled that year that many of which they keep to this day but I would say that the 2017 season, for whatever reason, probably was the most entertaining one to watch because it was such a creative offense. The ball was moving so much. Um, it, it was explosive. It, it was just a lot of fun to watch. And when he left, the Nuggets got better, but I just felt like a little bit of the excitement of the team started to dwindle a little bit, um, even just watching the ball not move as much or what have you. Sure. And, and your point about the coaching staff is well taken. I mean, they were the what fourth in offensive rating the season he was there, and then they were sixth the next year, and they were obviously a better team. So right. obviously it 
you know, they, they were still good after he left, but, um, the, I mean, basically it, it seems like it, and not to try and get too, too deep into the nuts and bolts of the entire offense, but you mentioned an inverted offense. Basically the, the offense was running through Jokic on the perimeter, kind of in, in like a high post mid post type, almost a five out, but really he's just kind of navigating from that spot on the floor and, you know, reading the defense and the, the offense is predicated a lot on, on cutting and movement without the ball and, and, you know, shooters spotting up, filling back where, you know, cutters cut from type of a thing. Um, what did that do for, obviously it helped Jokic a ton and, and his assist numbers have skyrocketed his, his assist rate. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's all true, but what do you think that it did that was positive for some of the role players on the team? I mean, uh, you know, Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, they were rookies that season in Denver and, and weren't huge parts right. of the rotation, although they kind of forced their way in a little bit. But, um, you know, you look at that roster and there w- wasn't a ton of, of like prime, you know, backcourt talent. It was, uh, what rookie, rookie Jamal Murray as well. Um, that year. Rookie, yep. Yeah. Um, you know, long in the tooth, uh, Wilson Chandler and uh, Jameer Nelson. And, and so it's not really like long it was Jameer Nelson. Yeah. I mean, he was 34. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here's how I would describe what, what Finch brought to Denver. It was an off, it was a free flowing continuity offense that they ran. I mean, there was obviously structure to it. Everybody has their little quick hitters or plays that they run or things that kind of get the ball moving. But so much of it was just a equal opportunity offense. It was Jokic was the fulcrum. He touched it, the ball, you know, two or three times per possession, but it was sort of a, Hey, pick and, you know, delay play, a a delay set where you get a a high pick and roll with Jokic and Jameer Nelson to get the ball moving. And if you could score off of it, great. But if not, you know, you flip it back to Jokic immediately go into now Gary Harris, Jokic pick and roll or dribble handoff or some kind of action. And if that doesn't work, it just flows right into a Gallinari post up or pick and roll or whatever. And it was so much, that season, part of what was so fun is it was the one that felt the least structured from Denver, but the most principled. So the least amount of like, hey, let's run this action. And the most of everybody knows how you're supposed to respond to any given um, play and option. And it, it was just very free flowing. And I think it's interesting that he spent, you know, half a season this year in uh, Toronto because Toronto is another organization that really values intelligent basketball and sort of the principles over, um, you know, maybe harsh execution. It's more about, hey, do you understand what's going on in the court and can you react in real time? And to me, that's the best type of basketball. And I again, I don't know if I can credit him for Denver's rise in that department, but it does feel like they lost a lot of that since then. Even if their numbers overall went up because their players got better, um, I feel like they lost some things that they really could reestablish. I'd love for them to reestablish. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And and I think Jokic is obviously, and I don't think there's any question about this, the best passing big man in the league. Towns is probably still top five, six, seven, something like that um, when he's used properly. And, and he has the talent to be even better than that. And in my mind, and I said this on the show uh, on Monday's podcast is, is if Towns can be 70% of the passer of Jokic in, in actuality and not just in theory, and he continues to shoot the ball like he does, which is a lot better than Jokic, at least from the perimeter, um, then I mean, the sky really is the limit for Towns. And you look at some of the perimeter talent for the Wolves, and it's 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 all over the map. I mean, you've got all defense, no offense guys like Jarrett Culver and Josh Akogi. You've got all yeah. offense, very little defense like Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell. Um, and you've got guys What's who Vando? are... Uh, Vando, Vando is is he's a starter now. Um, yeah, that's that's he's he's is your he an all defensive defense guy. Um, I mean, I don't know that it's realistic to think that that's his ceiling. I was hoping it would be. Now that he's gotten more minutes, he's got he's he has enough offensive limitations that I don't know that he stays on the floor long enough for that. Right. Um, he just hasn't been able to, I mean, he hasn't 
developed a jumper at all. He's had weird problems catching the ball, which I didn't realize his hands were that bad, mm, but yeah. once or twice a game, he'll have a turnover or he'll just drop a pass, uh, you know, he'll drop a lob, something like that. But I like him. I think he's a role player. I do think he's a role player on a, on a playoff team. Um, I yeah. think he's probably a 10, 14 minute a game defensive minded guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, this is, it's still a weird roster that's still being developed, but I mean, the idea of D'Angelo Russell playing off the ball more often and being able to catch and shoot where he's very good. And Anthony Edwards has actually been pretty good catching and shooting this year. I uh, haven't even mentioned him yet. Um, it, it, it's got to be more than just flipping a switch, you know, you know, changing the offense a little bit. And the other, the other piece of this is how's that going to happen mid season? Um, you know, they, they literally have a game Tuesday night and announce Finch as coach Monday, which is just insane. Um, <laughs> you know, how much of this is really going to change? I don't know, but, uh, I don't know. I, I think some sort of like souped up version of, of Jokic in some ways, and I'm not saying he's automatic, you know, Towns is suddenly going to be way better than Jokic at all. But, um, I think there's some things that Towns that, you know, this is going to be really, really good for him to have more playmaking, you know, put on his shoulders. I, I mean, I think so too. And it's difficult. I'm not one of these guys that's like, you know, hates every big man could in defense of Jokic or whatever. I I'm a, I'm six, five myself. Like I'm, a, I'm, I really like the big man game. So I root for all skilled bigs that includes towns. So when I say this, it's not an insult, you know, there's like Steph Curry and then there's Damian Lillard where, you know, Curry, there's one of one. And then there's a guy that does a really good interpretation of that, but it's still whatever. And I think with regards to passing, the one thing I think people will sort of tie themselves to the knots is to expect towns, even saying something like 70% of Jokic's passing, I think is tough because Jokic isn't just a good like deliverer of throws. He also just sees the court at an insane rate that yeah. maybe two or three players in the NBA do. And and so it's no knock against Towns to say, I don't know that it's great to say like in the same mold. What I would say instead is, you know, Finch went straight from Denver down to New Orleans where he had DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, two also extremely talented bigs that were different than Jokic, same in some ways, but different, and was able to make a really interesting offense out of them. And I think... I look at Towns the same way. I don't think just copying and saying, hey, you're going to be the playmaker a la Jokic. But I do think, you know, Towns is a better shooter than Jokic. You know, he's a better scorer one-on-one. And so just looking at that and saying, okay, how can we use that skill now in a creative way? What kind of offense can we build that takes advantage of that skill set and then utilizes the passing and rebounding and all that other stuff as well? To me, that's more of what I look for in Finch, and, and I think it'll be really interesting. And just thinking outside of the box, this is why I think Vando's so interesting. And the likeliest outcome is that Vanderbilt, you know, just becomes a prospect that's okay or whatever. But I'm so curious to see because he's a unique skill set as well. Elite rebounder, has a really good handle, horrible finisher, horrible shot. But I wonder if there's something to say like, hey, how many power forwards can guard him at both rebounding and handling the ball? And how many bigs can't switch on or power forwards can't switch on the towns because it's a size mismatch. And maybe you could start running some four or five actions either towns as the pick and roll ball handler or vando as the pick and roll ball handler either way you're probably going to have to switch actions like that and most coaches just don't think that far outside of the box and i think he will and that's why i think it's really exciting all right we're going to get back to adam and i talking about uh what finch did in new orleans and some of the things he did with the pelicans that perhaps he could do with minnesota here in a second first though let's talk about betonline.ag betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL are in full swing. Baseball soon, too, as well. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything 
you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. Right now, you can hear Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, back to Adam and I talking about Chris Finch, the Pelicans, the Nuggets, and of course, the Timberwolves. Yeah, and and you you mentioned the Pelicans and the 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 big big pick and roll, and, and that's what they they did in New Orleans. They did a lot of that with Davis and Cousins, and and I think maybe a little of that in Denver. Um, you know, prior to that, but that's that was kind of one of the main wrinkles that he added in New Orleans, and 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 there, um, you know, from there the game opened up in terms of you know percentage of possessions that they they were scoring on cuts and and you know things like that. Um, and, and Vando's interesting. I mean, Jade McDaniel's and, and Vanderbilt right now are basically splitting minutes at the four, and Vanderbilt mm-hmm. is the starter and the defender and the rebounder. McDaniel's can't rebound at the NBA level yet; he's just not strong enough. Um, but his offensive ceiling is fantastic and he blocks shots. And so it's kind of together. They've got this young bouncy power forward that they're trying to figure out what to do with and, and how to split the minutes. And I think at this point, I would, I'm comfortable saying that the long-term plan in Rosas's mind might even be that McDaniels is the guy next to towns because he can handle the ball. He can he has that ability, that offensive upside, but in the near term Vanderbilt, I, I do think was, you know, basically just kind of underutilized because he was on the court for rebounding and defense and, and, you know, to catch lobs and that's, that's all he's done. And so can he, he's a good passer too. I mean, um, yeah, that's been very really clear. Good. Um, and, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what that turns into. I, I love um, unique skills though, because it creates market inefficiencies. And this is the thing with Jokic that I think so many people miss is that he does something that nobody else does. So it makes skill sets alongside him that maybe are not a lot, very useful along a bunch of other teams, very useful to Denver. Well, that means you can find value because like all these other teams are like, I have no use for this guy. Uh, and I think the same could be true of, you know, in Minnesota, if you end up finding one or two pieces, it's like, wow, there's nobody like Towns. There's nobody like, you know, McDaniels or Vando. Now we have those two pieces in place. All these other, now we don't need a point guard that handles the ball as much. So, okay, that's right. great because, now, now we could out of those types. So um, that, that's just another thing that I think is so special about being able to find unique players and maximize them. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and, and we'll see if Rosas has the ability to acquire um, said players. And if that's, you know, if, if that, if there's that synergy between he and Finch and, and there should be, I mean, uh, you know, we could have seen this coming probably from a mile away and some people did the fact that Rosas interviewed Finch two years ago, they worked together in Rio Grande and with Houston. Um, so yeah, I mean, if they have that synergy and they have this understanding of, Hey, Towns is, is our version of all these other big men that Finch has coached, but t- more talented in some ways and, and, you know, different, a different player, obviously, but what, what are the pieces that can fit around him best? Um, right. so that'll be, extremely fascinating to see how, you know, what the next steps are in terms of the roster. I think my, my initial reaction was, Hey, you know, what's this mean for D'Angelo Russell? But the more I thought about it, he likes playing off the ball and the wolves, obviously they acquired Ricky Rubio to play some minutes with him. So they knew that Russell plays well off the ball. You know, what does this look like for Russell? He's still your de facto point guard, but your offense is running through towns. Um, you know, he's not, he's not 
an outstanding cutter, but he can, he can operate in the post. He's an okay screener. He's pretty big. He can shoot spot up threes. Um, so I, I think that there's some, you know, that the two players have played Towns and Russell have played five games together over the past year. So we, there's still a lot to be seen there too, I think. Um, He's, so we'll see. Russell would be the one player that I look at and say, okay, this is a big inflection point for the Chris Finch experiment because there's one thing that the more you play into a continuity offense, there's one thing that becomes as important as anything, and that's the quick decision-making. Any player that holds the ball to survey the court and read it hurts continuity. The, it, the, you know, it really thrives off of people sort of like you know, making those quick decisions, making the defense rotate multiple times, and you gain a half-step advantage here, a half-step advantage there. Next thing you know, you have a wide-open shot. And D'Angelo Russell, he's not – I've got a full disclosure, one of my least favorite guards – but a large part of that is because of how much he just likes to hold the ball. He's at his best when he's holding the ball and surveying, in right. my opinion. So that'll be a, yep. that'll be one area if I look at it and go, okay, well, I don't think he quite fits what I think Chris Finch will want to do. But can he change his game, or can or, or are they going to have to move on, or or what? Yeah, and, and Anthony Edwards to an extent as well. I mean, he's by far been at his best in isolation. He barely has. He's been really good as a cutter, but the Wolves' offense has been one of the major issues. Is it's been extremely stagnant, especially of late, yeah. and. And if you get Edwards going as a cutter, get him going downhill on some of these, you know, dribble handoffs and, and, you know, out of these sets similar to what Finch has ran in the past, then Edwards could be extremely dangerous. It's getting him to understand that that's his role. And sure, you can run some isolation sets for him here and there. He'll get the ball on the open floor, but um, he's not going to be getting the chance to hold the ball for eight seconds before he decides to make a move, um, which is, you know, what D'Angelo Russell does. So, um, and let's be honest, this year's a little bit of a throwaway. I mean, I know that there is the, um, I guess where where is Minnesota in the standings? I mean, like the season is so weird that I guess you know you can yeah. sneak into that ten or whatever. But they're, uh, they're still they're like the seven games back. Yeah. yeah, so it's a little bit of a throwaway. I want to fully punt, but I think Lonzo Ball and Lamelo Ball are so interesting to me because they both have such great feel for the game and court vision, and they both grew up playing you know continuity, fast paced, fast breaking style basketball where it was all all about quick decision making, and I think. It's so opposite of how most players grow up, where the ball's just in their hands and they get to dribble it twenty times and then do something cool and dunk on, you know, some some freshman. Where I think that, you know, you give a year of Anthony Edwards where he's maybe doesn't look great, but you know what? You get him a lot of reps and you keep telling him, hey, keep trying to make quick decisions. Use your athleticism. Attack. It's it's freelance. You're not going to know necessarily. Stay within your principles, but attack, and you're going to have some ugly turnovers, ugly shots. But over time, you get a little bit quicker at decision making, a little bit quicker at reading the court. And before long, you start to you're able to play in a, a continuity offense because I really like Anthony Edwards' skill set. I, I like the Dwayne Wade comp that everybody throws out, and I think the more that he can become a, you know, attacking closeouts and attacking you know quick decisions, the better he's going to be rather than just catch the ball, survey, and now try to beat somebody one on one when the defense is set. Yeah, we see that now too because you you could see him, you could see him, um, you know processing and, and, you know, sometimes he's not, he's waiting to make his move. And then when he does, he's explosive and his quick, his first step is extremely quick. It's just, he, 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 you know, it's a slow pump fake to, Oh, do I do this? And then he decides to go and, and everybody saw what he did the other night with his, with his dunk over uh Watanabe and, and everything he can do athletically is just insane. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of, of understanding what his place is in, in this offense and within an NBA offense as well. Um, well, uh, any final thoughts, Adam, on on uh, the the Wolves' move? You know, are are you worried about the Wolves coming in the Northwest Division now with Chris Finch on in the Twin Cities instead of Denver? You know, what's uh, any any I guess final thoughts? Well, I mean, obviously not necessarily this year, but I do think that 
the Timberwolves have had more talent than what their record has shown them for the last several years. So any coach or organizational structure that sort of brings that out in them, of course, that makes the Northwest more competitive. I'm more interested, though, I'll leave you with this, because I think Beasley's a really good player. He wasn't always the smartest player when he was in Denver, and I think he might be one of those guys that, you know, maybe caps out at being an average, you know, court reader or whatever. Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt's so unique. The guy we didn't talk about that Minnesota fans have really like sort of turned on is, is Wancho Hernan Gomez, who, yeah. you know, the, the, the book might be out on him. He might just not be a very good player. But I will say his best game ever did come under Chris Finch in that 2016-17 season against the Golden State Warriors. If anybody ever wants to look it up, the Wancho game, we call it here in Denver, where he was on fire. But he was just – Wancho, for all of his flaws, and there's many – he was really good at reading the court. He just nat coming in that European system where they've been playing free flow basketball, read and react basketball since they were kids. He was really good at just sort of knowing what angles to cut. He was a good shooter when they was in the rhythm of an offense. And obviously he's one of Jokic's best friends. So that, that always helps. But I'm curious to see if he has a little bit of a rebirth now under a coach that is a little bit more tailored to his skill. Yeah. And, and he has been, I mean, he's been a good cutter. I mean, the, he's one of the few guys on the team that you can put out there and know that he's going to be in the right place at the right time. The problem right. is, is he was just missing shots. He was, you know, seemed like he was kind of out of shape after he was the weird free agency period. And he's not the only guy that that was the case for. So I still have some hope that he can be, you know, kind of a league average type rotation big that can knock down threes and, you know, hopefully play average defense and, and not hurt you too much. And, and of course they paid him a little bit better than that, but right. um, I mean, you know, there's only one more year in the deal before the, the last year is not guaranteed. So we'll see. But um, he, I mean, he, in the, the idea of Wancho fits really well with Carl Anthony Towns and, and if they can maximize Hernan Gomez along with Towns, if, if Chris Finch can do that, I think that'll be, uh, that'll be really, really important. I think the smarter your offense is, the better Wancho will look on that end. Defensively, he's, you know, he's, he's pretty rough, but um, off, Defensively, he's a guy that can fit into a system and be in the right spot. And that's huge for this type of offense. Well, you left Wolves fans with hope. And that's that's what Wolves fans need the most, <laughs> quite frankly. So um, Adam Morris of Locked on Nuggets, make sure you subscribe to Locked on Nuggets. Um, and, uh, you know, check that out for all things Denver from the Timberwolves Northwest Division foe. Thanks, Adam, for joining me. Thanks for having me on. There you have it. Adam Mars of Locked on Nuggets. Great conversation. It was a lot of fun to talk to Adam about what he recalls from the Finch era in Denver. Um, of course, there's, you know, I wouldn't call it a rivalry between the Wolves and Nuggets, but there was game 83 a couple of years ago. We didn't even talk about that three years ago now uh, when the Wolves beat the Nuggets to make the playoffs. And then, of course, since then, the Nuggets have been uh, a lot better than the Wolves, which is a really, a really, um, I don't know, a really mild way of saying that, I guess. Um, at any rate, be sure to check out Locked on Nuggets. Adam and uh, Matt Moore over there at Locked on Nuggets do a fantastic job. Uh, so finally today on the show, I did just want to touch on the uh, on the matchup against the Bucks, which is upcoming on Tuesday evening. Uh, don't want to spend a ton of time here. I don't know that we're going to see much different out of the Wolves offense in Chris Finch's first game as head coach. I mean, Prigioni's the offensive coordinator anyway. I mean, how much is really going to change? The, the Bucks, of course, are a good defensive team. Uh, you know, what are you going to do with basically one practice and a shoot around under the belt of Chris Finch as the head coach? The Bucks are are mostly healthy. They've got some, uh, Drew Holiday's been out for a little while now with uh, health and safety protocols. So he, he likely will not play um, as of this recording. Don't know for sure. Obviously, Giannis, everything operates or everything centers around Giannis, revolves around Giannis, Chris Middleton as well, uh, to a lesser extent. You know, Brooke Lopez and obviously Drew Holiday being out matters quite a bit. And and the Bucks have struggled. I mean, they just came off a five-game losing streak. They've now won a couple in a row um, after losing five straight. 
But um, you look at those losses. I mean, at Phoenix, at Utah, nothing too bad there. You know, at Oklahoma City, twice to the Raptors. Um, so not a good five-game losing streak. And then since then, they beat the Thunder at home and beat the Kings at home. Both games, they won fairly handily, um, actually both 13-point wins. So now they've got the Timberwolves. This is clearly not a game that the Wolves are going to be expected to win, but it'll be interesting to see. You know, there's always that new coach, coach fired, bounce back that that pro sports teams seem to have. So we'll see if there's something there. But as I mentioned a minute ago, I mean, the Bucks are just really good on both end of the ends of the floor, even without Drew Holiday. Um, they take a lot of threes. They make a lot of threes. They're uh, the best defensive rebounding team in the league. Um, now the Wolves are a good offensive rebounding team with Carl Anthony Towns on the floor. They're awful defensive rebounding and the Bucks are still a top 10 team in terms of offensive rebounds together combined. They average the most rebounds per game of any team in the league. And it's not because they're just missing a lot of shots because they're also second in field goal percentage. They're third in three point percentage. Um, their defensive field goal percentage is good as well. They're top 10 in that metric, um, or in that statistic. So they're just a really good all-around team. They've had a little bit of bad luck this year. They're 18 and 13, but their Pythagorean record based on their net rating, which is the second best net rating in the league, is actually has them at three wins better, which is crazy when you're only talking about roughly 30 games into the season. Um, so this is a really good Bucks team. There's no two ways about it. And um, Giannis is going to be disruptive and he's going to make things difficult on both ends of the floor for the Wolves. Of course, last year, there was the big, the, the time the Wolves played in Milwaukee, Last season, there was the Culver dunk over Brooke Lopez, the stare down, and then the Brooke Lopez getting in his face and getting a technical. That was almost the down the 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 turning point in a bad way for Culver in his rookie season. He just really didn't seem to be the same after that. Um, of course, Culver is still out. He will not play in this game, but that's that was the key moment for Wolves Bucks last year. And that was a game the Wolves were in and ultimately you know, did not make it close, or the Bucks wouldn't allow it to be close after that moment in that game as well. So um I, this this is just a difficult matchup for for Minnesota. There's no two ways about it. They'll need to to um, do their best to avoid allowing easy transition baskets. Get back in transition. The Bucks love to run. They love to get out in the open floor. Um, and, and the Timberwolves are going to struggle to score again. Offense has been the issue of late. Um, and I really doubt Finch will do much outside of maybe add some different wrinkles here and there in the offense. You know, maybe it's, um, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. It's, it's again, he'll have been the coach for just a little over 24 hours by the time Tuesday's game tips off. So we'll see if anything changes, but remember there's only a few games left before the all-star break. So I would imagine things will change more significantly after the break. Uh, but obviously we'll have a post game pod. We'll be back late Tuesday, early Wednesday with the postgame pod. So be sure to check that out uh, following Wolves Bucks. And of course, the rest of the week, if you're new to the podcast, this is a daily Monday through Friday podcast with weekend pods, postgame pods on the weekends when the Wolves play. Uh, so be sure that you're subscribed anywhere that you get podcasts. That includes Apple. It includes um, Stitcher, Spotify, Google. And you can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. It's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. And then my account is at Beacon. It's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, that's all we have for you today. Again, we'll be back after Wolves-Bucks on Tuesday. Enjoy Chris Finch's debut as the Wolves head coach. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.